Hi guys, today our guest is Michael Mitsakos from Evic Group and Archeon. We talked uh, with Michael about his story, how he ended up in this space, uh, a lot about working with scientists and co-founding companies with them, uh, and also about Archeon, which makes protein almost out of thin air. Imagine that. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome to Founding Impact, where we talk about impact startup ecosystem in Europe. I'm Maciej Gałkiewicz. And I'm Kasia Zalewska. We are Impact Angel Investors from Ragnarsson. Welcome guys to the next episode of Founding Impact. And today with me is Michael Mitsakos from Evic Group. Hello, Michael. Very yeah. great to have you. Yeah, nice, nice to be here. Likewise, likewise. Uh, we have a lot of things to cover today. Uh, I'm not going to be uh, explaining everything as of now because it would be really great maybe first to dive a bit into your story. So it would be really great if you could tell us what you do right now and kind of what was the, the storyline? How did you end up in this space? Yeah, you know, I don't think it's a straight story. So just to be, just to be fair. Yeah. Um, right now, so we're doing, we're we are company building. Um, so Evic, Evic Group, um, we um, start companies. We actually build companies uh, together with scientists. Um, it's biotech companies, and um, yeah, we're doing this together with with our team. Um, what I did before, basically, how it led up to this point is, I think, it's quite random. <laughs> so I think, also, if uh, I mean, I can now look back on I think more than ten years in when I started in VC, but even before that, I think I started. Um, you know, I want actually I wanted to study design. Um, and, uh, you know, I was basically, my application was rejected. So <laughs> I had a bit of a crisis and then, um, and I think at some point, yeah, I, I, I decided to, um, I decided to study business and, um, in the beginning, I wasn't really sure what I want to do within business. You know, everyone is telling you, you can do accounting, you can do marketing, you can do sales, you can do in general in business, you have all these categories and people try to put you in boxes. Um, but I was also always thinking that that's not really what I want to do. I, I, you know, I also because I came from much more of a creative field, um, and I also try to approach business like this, um, mixing kind of art and commerce, and you know, being being creative about it. I was also th always thinking in a way that there must be something else. Mm. And uh, so when I went abroad and I did my studies in in Lebanon in Beirut, mm -hmm. um, I think I was quite lucky because I was at the time I think 22 or something, 23. And I got into venture capital, which um, I think it's, you know, I, I think it was quite a lucky, lucky shot to get in. Um, but also at, when I was in, I realized, well, that's that's it. That's what I want to do. And I think this is also where different things were coming together. Mm -hmm. You know, you had all these entrepreneurs, but it was also about numbers. It was also about like being a bit creative of how you tell the stories, um, how, it, how to grow these companies became more operational. So there's so many aspects that suddenly come together in, in VC. Um, so now this is 10 years ago when I, when I, yeah, when I started and then since then I, you know, work with entrepreneurs, I work with different startups, um, I worked in the business development, I did sales. I mean, I did basically the entire range, yeah. uh, within this field. And, um, I think what, what was always important for me is that, you know, when you, when you also, when you're in VC, what you realize is that you're channeling money. So basically you can, you you, you can think of it as, you know, you have different, let's say, 10 projects, and you think, okay, I have these resources available. Um, where do I want to di divert the money to? Um, and I think this is how you can, you can make a difference because, because you can say, you know, this is really great, and I mm -hmm. want this to happen. 
So let's put some resources into this. Let's capitalize it. Let's finance it. And let's go. And so um, it, it means like you had an influence over over things because you could say this project should be founded and not the other one. Yeah, I think because when once you're in this kind of position where you can you know direct the flow of of capital and resources. I think you also have a responsibility. You know, it's a bit like Spider-Man, you know, like once you, you know, it, it comes I like with, where this yeah, is going. Yeah, yeah, no, it comes with some responsibility when you're in this kind of position where you can direct resources. So I think um yeah, what's important then is to to really understand okay, what really makes a difference? What kind of projects or in this sense, what kind of companies do I want to support? Um and I think where where I was a bit disappointed to be honest in in venture capital was that investors tend to finance companies that they saw were working already before in some other geographies, for example. But for example, in the Middle East, you don't need another TikTok. I mean, maybe, yes, maybe there's some local version of it, but I think, you know, some of these media companies, they, they, they are global anyway, you know, Twitter, Facebook, and so on. Um, you don't necessarily need a local competitor. Mm -hmm. um, that's at least my, my perspective. But what you do need is maybe companies that work on infrastructure, you know, like on something that the region needs. And I think this is where I got a bit disappointed, where I was thinking, okay, um, why don't we just put money into these products that actually have a, like, make a difference, right? Yeah. Or like they're good for the region or something. Um, and I think this is also when, how I went out then, because I said at some point, okay, I need to also go into venture building, startup creation, and so on. I don't want to just be this investor guy who's like looking at these deals and make, making some decisions. Um, and when I went into this, I, yeah, at some point I realized, okay, I want to do something with, maybe you call it impact, <laughs> but yep. you can also just call it something that has meaning, yep. you know? And um, when um, when I did, for example, I had one company that was a fashion company, um, but I just didn't want to do fashion. I wanted to actually look into what's broken about the fashion industry. Um, for example, you have this problem with, you put different materials together, you can't recycle them. Mm -hmm. So how to, you know, how to recycle things, how to not create so much waste. Yep. Um, so this is kind of the thinking that got me into this mm -hmm. impact investing field. And um, yeah, and then at some point um, through an old friend and colleague, uh, I was introduced to Gary, who was basically together with uh, Simon, they created uh, Avic um, and uh, had a, really interesting conversation with Gary about impact. And at some point he was kind of asking me, or maybe had, had, he had this little, you know, like, uh, yeah, question about if you really want to do impact, why not food? Why not agriculture? I mean, this is one of the biggest emitters of CO2. You know, there's so many problems that come with it. Um, and I never really thought of, thought of it this way um, because I was trying to maybe do something that I'm, that I know, which is kind of clothes or fashion and mm -hmm. these things. Um, and for me it was like, it sounds interesting. I wasn't sure if, I, <laughs> if I can, you know, if I can go in and, and do it, but then it was a leap of faith in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Do it, uh, go there and do it in a sense of something that you don't specialize in and might be difficult exactly. to exactly. Kind of understand things. Exactly. Now we do, and now we're building companies with scientists. Yep. Um, I'm not a scientist, you know, I yep. don't have a scientific background. Um, I don't have an engineering. I don't even have a technical background, really. Like, um, yes, w within like business, I, I, I went into finance, but um, I don't have anything to do with natural sciences, you know, physics, uh, chemistry, um, and also ge engineering in general. Um, so, of course, when you go into this field, you feel a bit, 
I wouldn't say it's an imposter syndrome in a way, like you, you kind of act as if you know, but in, a, in the beginning you actually have to learn and be open and have a lot of conversations yeah, to, to get I in. I know the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how, how was it for you? I mean, I, where are you now and what, how, what led you there? I mean, I, mean I, I can really relate to your story. I really like what you said about um, having those broad interests and seeing things at the intersection of, of many different things. So looking for, for, at something from, uh, from, from many different perspectives. So design led to business, business led to investing and so on. So I, I kind of have to some extent the same. So as an example, like when I read books, I try to read always something that it's um, interdisciplinary. So every year, you know, one book from about economics, one book about biology and so on and so forth. So I really see there is... There is a lot of wisdom in this at this intersection of, of different um, of different fields, and what you said about like making positive impact. I mean, it's exactly the same what what we did, like uh, building all sorts of um, projects that were okay, nice. Like yeah. I always say, like another Trello, kind of. <laughs> True. I mean, it's it's cool. It works. It's it's obviously it, it's helpful for people. Yes, yes. But is it really what I want to do? And you know, yeah. one thing led to another, and here we are, both in the in the impact space, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and specifically in your case in in food. So um, yeah, I mean, a very cool story. Uh, what I would really like to know uh, yes. as a as a next step is uh, just to get a better understanding of of the of your venture builder uh, business. So. Mm. You do things around uh, the future of proteins. Yes. Uh, if you could describe to, to our audience, like, what's the future? What are, like, the, the three biggest trends yeah. that, that you try to cover? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, I mean, for Evic as the mission, we are out there to, um, to take animals out of the food chain. I mean, this is actually the overarching mission of the group. Um, specifically, we are trying to find biotechnological solutions that can or that have the potential to displace animal-derived products. Um, and I think the reason why it's important is that when you look at current, like let's say, vegan products, right, or like um, alternative protein products or products that try to mimic chicken or beef or whatever, they kind of fall short. Um, even though people might say, oh, this is really good or it gets close, animal-based ingredients, they have there's value, right? Like they have some kind of special performance. There's something about them that it's very hard to replace. Um, every company that, that's trying to replace, I don't know, certain ingredients, whether this is gelatin, egg white, um, it, they, they, at some point they, they, they are facing limitations. Mm -hmm. um, so what we are thinking is that, okay, if we really want to live in a world where we're not dependent on kind of Anim like slaughtering animals and, and kind of extracting resources from animals um, that we then put into our industries, um, there needs to be something that is equal. There needs to be something that, yes, it's, for example, derived through different means, but the outcome, so the, the, the compound or the ingredients. And the nutrition level. The nutritional level, the performance level, all these different functionalities, they need to be on the same level or even better, right? So um, I think the first step is to get... Uh, you know, to the same level, and then we can see what, what, what's, what what's possible. Um, but that's kind of what's, what's driving us, right? So, and there are different ways. So, for example, yes, you could, as you mentioned, like these kind of three fields. So we say that, yes, we could look at, 
you know, plant-based ingredients. So we call it also plant-based innovations because you could, for example, play with the recipes, you could play with the composition, you could play with how it's kind of being fabricated and, and produced. Um, and but but plant-based plant is what you referred at the beginning as having limitations. Exactly, exactly. So this is something that you can play with. Yep. You can also mix into it some kind of maybe computational biology. You can try to find within the plant kingdom, maybe there's a special plant in the Amazon that has some properties and so on. So you could go deep, but I, I, you know, I think there are limitations still because yep. the plant kingdom and the fungi kingdom and the animal kingdom is qualitatively they are different yep. you know so um, i think there are limitations there but still people are trying right so um and, and see what they can do um the other thing is microbial fermentation which is using um microorganisms this could be bacteria archaea yeast um to produce desired ingredients you know uh, or compounds um, so the way it usually works is you feed them with something, right? So these microorganisms, they feed on certain inputs, then they convert it. You mean like some sort of uh, biomass? Exactly. I mean, you, you could think of it as huge in, for example, beer um, pr production, or let's say very simple when you think of food products, right? Like kimchi and, and uh, you know, beer also, cheese. Um, these kind of things, they are produced through fermentation. Mm -hmm. And for example, when you think of yeast, it's usually it's like sugar-based, so yep. they convert sugars into into something, right? Um, of of for us for uh, of value. Um, but what we can do now is, and this is kind of the the innovation or the difference now, is that these microorganisms they can be used to actually produce something that they wouldn't produce otherwise. Um, for example, you could insert um, instructions. For example, this is the recombinant approach, right? Where mm -hmm. you in, where you insert like a genetic instruction so that this organism produces, for example, casein, right? So which, it, which you usually only would uh, find in milk, um, but then you can actually get the same thing, but you use a different organism. Mm -hmm. So this is an, a field on its own, yep. um, microbial fermentation. And then um, the other thing is um, animal cell cultivation. So you are you're having a biopsy or you're taking a biopsy from an animal, you, ha you, are, you are starting with animal cells, and then instead of growing these cells in an animal, you grow them in a lab. Um, this would be the animal cell cultivation kind of part. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you heard about like these like lab meat and you know yeah, cultured, yeah. cultured meat and cultivated meat. There's so many terms out there, but essentially what it means is just the same the same thing that happens in an animal. It just doesn't happen in an animal, right? Yeah. So um, I think. If you think of an ethical perspective, it's 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 very very different. It's not like you have to grow an animal, slaughter it, and, and take what you what you get. It's basically you um, let these cell grows, uh, yeah. let these cells grow, and then you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You I, I think it, this one is like the most uh, difficult for people to accept uh, to some extent. Like, whoa, this is this is weird. Like growing like a muscle. Outside yes. of a, uh, an animal, like, uh, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think it's equally, we equally weird to use microorganisms to produce things, right? But yeah. they are also interesting in their own right. And I think um, it's all technologies, right? Yeah. So um, whether whether these things grow inside an animal, I mean, you could also, you could also argue that, you know, like just mass slaughtering, <laughs> you know, like um, is also not very natural, right? So... Um, yeah, I think I think we we need to see. Um, but the first kind of surveys and and um, you know people, the way people think about it, I think is is quite positive, and I think they're open open for it. 
And why do you f focus on all three uh, types of uh, of proteins? Like, why not just to choose one, kind of the, the best one, if, if, if it's not even possible yeah. to say? Mm, I don't think it's possible to say. And we also don't know if there's going to be um, a future where there's a combination of these uh, approaches, right? So there could, it could be a product where you use some plant-based ingredients, mm -hmm. then you use some fats that are maybe produced through you know, recombinant approaches, like th through fermentation, right? And then you maybe add some animal cells and then you have a great okay. food product. Um, I mean, this is, this is futuristic and I'm, I'm not saying that it's going this way, but we're already seeing hybrid uh, approaches. Um, and the other thing is, um, because we're also company building, right? And we are looking at it also from a business perspective, you need to kind of have this portfolio approach um, where you are looking at, for example, um, how long it takes to commercialize. So um, path to commercialization, you're looking at risk, you're looking mm -hmm. at R&D timelines, you're looking at capital and that capital requirements. Um, so there's so many things that are coming together. And for example, when you look at plant-based, you can commercialize now, yep. you know, um, and there's also regulatory landscapes, right? So some of these things maybe take longer for regulatory authorities to, to approve. But um, I think it's important to have this kind of portfolio approach, you know, doing something. So it's simply a way of di diversifying your investments yes, because yes. it's still unclear how those technologies are going to be used in the future and what's going to be a mix of them. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Um, and I would even go further. I would even say that there could be some markets that are more advanced. So there could be like Japan or whatever, like Singapore. Um, there could be markets where um, the, the sentiment is more open and mm -hmm. maybe the regulatory uh, approval is, let's say, more straightforward to, to, to receive in the, in the near future. So there's so many dynamics that play a role. So I think it's important to have this put portfolio so approach. For instance, they would be, let's say, more open to you to eat more of cultivated yes. meat yes. as opposed to others. Yes, exactly. Okay, got it, got it. Um, yeah, that was, uh, that was uh, interesting, like having all those free things. It's obviously you need to be an expert in, in kind of three different fields and it's, it's a bit more complicated than just focusing on one. So I, I, I think it was important to kind of clarify what, yes, why, what although, was the reason. <laughs> although it's still specific. So um, sometimes we say, yes, we are biotech company builders, which is true. Yep. But then um, within biotech, it's very specific, right? We're looking into food, we're looking into ingredients, we're looking into yep. animal-based ingredients. So um, you could do biotech in completely different fields. Um, and I think although there's a focus on three different technology approaches, it's, I think, still very 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 narrow narrow yeah. okay. and very very precise yes got it what, what it's um, also very uh, interesting to me uh, about your your builder is the fact that you collaborate with scientists yes scientists uh, like former let's say or existing scientists turning turning into founders and uh, in itself i can imagine it's it's uh, to some extent is so some sort of a challenge i mean there's a challenge with every group of people yes. because of the skills that they have or they don't have. Yes, yes. And I wonder how does it look like in, in this specific case? And if you could just maybe start with explaining a bit what, what kind of like founder scientists are there and what, what they actually need and how they differ maybe from, mm. from a typical SAS founder that, that we might have in mind. <laughs> maybe they're a bit different than these typical, you know, Facebook, Twitter, you know, tech founders. But I think... I think you're always a founder. I think it's just something that's inside you. And mm -hmm. I think it's just a matter of the right context and maybe um, time and, you know, things happening that 
some of it is just being activated. You know, sometimes also when you are abroad, then you realize, oh, maybe there's a different side to my personality that I, <laughs> you know, that I wasn't really seeing when I was, uh, you know, in like in the northern part of Europe or something. Um, and uh, then you realize, wait, in, you know, in the south, I feel like more like a lively person. And I think it's it's the same. It's like there's something inside you that's that's already there, and then you see it, and then it needs to get activated. So I think, actually, um, when I think of the science founders, they are not different than the founder. They, they're founders, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think the only difference is that they started on a different path, mm -hmm. um, and I think they started then on a, yeah on a more technical path. And um, the people we work with, yes, all of them, yes, all of them have their PhDs. So. Um, they went down this this kind of scientific, let's call it career, although I think all of them knew at some point in their careers that that's not what they want to do. I don't, mm -hmm. I think um, there was always a point uh, where they realized I don't necessarily want to stay in academia um, because I'm working on something and the world needs to see it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think also this is when we go out and we, we are talking to all these institutes and universities and whatever, tech transfer offices, and we get to these scientists, and I think the ones um, that want to start a company, they kind of also look at us, and and I think they also realize maybe I can do it with them, you know. So it's I think this like kind of you see it in each other. So the way you describe it, they're already entrepreneurs at heart. Yes, and they happened to made some sort of like a very deep research into specific yes. fields. That yes, I think though the only thing that is maybe not there yet, but this is because of um, because of their background in terms of education, is I think most of them don't know what it takes to actually start a company. Mm -hmm. So maybe they have it inside them that they think, oh, wow, what I'm working on is actually interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's innovative. Um, you know, um, they maybe come up with interesting IP and they know that it kind of needs to go out, but I think they don't know how. Mm -hmm. So I think... Is kind of this toolkit is kind of missing, um, and this relates to everything, right? Like setting up a company, legal, accounting, you know, um, hiring people, HR, and then you add, 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 add. So I think um, this is something that they technically don't know, um, and I think this is actually where it's this kind of beautiful partnership because us as business people um, can come in then and we can form this alliance, you know, we can form this partnership and we can start a company together. But would you say they actually need some sort of like a like a business co-founder or? Yes, yes, and we, 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 we are their business co-founders, right? Okay. So um, we come in explicitly saying, we are your business co-founders. Okay. Um, and it's all of us from, from Evic, right? So, um, that's that's what we do, yeah? That's, that's the But that's only the business. business in the sense of like supporting them in understanding the mechanics and and obviously setting up the company and growing it yeah, and yeah. not in a sense of I'm going to I need to convince you that it could be commercialized and you could be an entrepreneur. I think they don't need con they don't need convincing anymore. Okay. Yeah. I think they don't need convincing anymore. Um but of course they need um, people to that they know they can trust in doing the fundraise, you know, like coming up with the financial plan and we're doing all of this, right? Yeah. So um I think it's important that they know they're in good hands. Um, but then it's it's um, it, this is our job then, right? To to actually be business co-founders and and um, um, yeah, and kind of have this partnership with the scientists. Although I think still that um, it's not very it's not so black and white. It's not that 
they are kind of these weird scientists, you know, like they are kind of in the lab with their lab coats <laughs> doing some experiments. And we are these guys who are like talking to investors. It's not so black and white, right? Okay. Um, it, eventually it's all mixed, but I think still um, it's important that they have the feeling that they are working with, with professionals. And do you also speak with founders who are maybe not there yet in a sense of uh, maybe they don't have this entrepreneurial drive? Like how does the group that it's not ready, let's say, look mm -hmm. like? Mm -hmm. I mean, part of company building is also um, the formation of the team, right? So what we are also doing, and I think this is kind of where the social creative part is coming in, is we're trying to think of what could a good constellation look like that's strong in terms of you know, technical skills, but also scientific skills, but also business skills. I think we're trying to really find a constellation that, ma uh, that makes sense. And this is how we, or when we are tapping into our networks then, right? We are thinking of good entrepreneurs who could join, um, you know, are there some operational people that could join? Um, so we are really trying to put a strong team together. Mm -hmm. um, and even if a scientist is not ready yet, um, we could still think of, okay, maybe he doesn't have this, but if this pe if this person is coming in, then it would be great. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, you know, this ratatouille thing where, you know, you have one ingredient and another <laughs> ingredient and it's like a magic, <laughs> you have this magic sauce. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's it's a bit like this. All of a sudden, two plus two is not four, but exactly. a bit more. Yes, exactly, yeah. yeah. Got it. And do you have cases like opposite cases of having like a super business person, like having this great idea of doing whatever, microbial fermentation yeah. or, or, or yes, so, yes, and yes. they simply don't have the technology behind them? Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes, yes. Actually, it happened also um, with a great you know, business founder uh, for our comp uh, portfolio company number two. It's yep. called Perfect. Uh, it's a vegan egg uh, replacement. And um, she, I mean, Tanya, she's a, she's a business founder, right? And um, you could see that she wanted to do it. And so we were thinking, okay, she's not a scientist, she knows, <laughs> right? So, um, but still... There was this, you know, there was this flame, and we wanted to see it happen, right? And um, in, so I think we made an exception there also from our, let's say, rule. Although we are also very young, right? But we kind of set out to start companies with scientists. But then we were thinking, wait, can we actually start a company with a business person, mm -hmm. and then just get these, you know, scientists or technical persons, yeah. uh, you know, in? And it worked well. So I think it's not so orthodox. It's not like okay. This is this is what we do. But still, assuming that the the, the scientist founder is is entrepreneurial and ready to run a business and not only doing the, the technology, the research. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It needs to be. I mean, it needs to work from um, um, from both ways, right? Either you start with a business uh, founder, but then a technical person needs to come in, or you have a technical person that maybe lacks some business skills, and you have to get a yep. uh, business uh, person in. But both ways work. Um, I think what's important though, and that's that's something that um, is important for us is that technology needs to be at the core of the company. So it shouldn't just be a marketing play. It shouldn't just be a sales play. It shouldn't just be some kind of, you know, like, oh, we're creating like the next snack. Um, it should be something that, that makes a difference. Mm -hmm. I see, I see. As, as a business founder, uh, is there anything specific that I should be looking at when I were to, if I were to um, find like a scientific um, co-founder Apart from this, you know, entrepreneurial drive and obviously some research coming <laughs> yes, with this person yes. and technology. Yes. Is, is there anything like that is super important and specific that um, yes, I mean, into account? I think, I think there needs to be chemistry. I think even if you find someone that has super interesting IP and you think, wow, this is a technology that has a potential and so on. 
it's still, I think at the end of the day, it's about people. And I think if you don't get along, uh, I don't think it's going to work. Okay, yeah. so the usual stuff, the not, usual not stuff. so some, no, something no, like very no. specific because no. of this context. If you want to have some something specific because of the context, I think if you're looking for s like a, a science or scientific person, you also they also need to be really good, I think, in explaining their technology in terms that also you as a layman would understand. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that also says something about the scientists that they can translate. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, this is also partly the job of the company builder then to kind of translate from science into business mm -hmm. or translate from, yeah, from science into, okay, is it understandable for consumers, for investors, mm -hmm. for all these different, you know, um, uh, stakeholders. So, Translation generally is important, but if the scientists already can, you know, translate their science into terms that you understand, I think it's a it's a great great basis. So to me, it's like a sign of them being able to interface with with the business. Yes, exactly. Yeah, interface is a great great mm -hmm. term for this. Yeah. Got it. Got it. This is uh, super interesting. And maybe looking a bit from your perspective as a venture builder. Um, did you did you have some sort of like specific problems related to the, to the fact that you have a founder scientists, and then you need to organize the builder in, in some sort of like a different way than it would happen usually? With uh, I mean, I'm referring mostly to like all sorts of software uh, startups. Mm, 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 I see. Um, yeah, I think there is one key challenge, which is um, which is lab space or generally um, equipment mm -hmm. or facilities. Let's say. Or infrastructure, even more general, yep. um, that you wouldn't need when you start a tech company, like a let's say a typical yeah, tech, yeah. tech company, right? Because what do you need? You need right now. You need maybe AWS, like so, you know, some service systems. You need a good internet connection. You can have your computer like on on you know on the table, open it, and start a company, basically, right? So, yep. um, of course, there's more to it, but um, I think the entry barriers for tech companies in general. Uh, let's call it like this. I mean, there's, of course, more nuances, but yep. um, um, in general, I think the entry barriers are low. When you start a science company or a biotech company, of course, you you cannot just say, hey, we're like working from, a, you know, like a co-working <laughs> you know, setup. No, of course not. You, you have to have some kind of um, lab space in an institute. You need to have maybe a corporation or like some kind of... Um, um, agreement with a university or mm -hmm. something in place, right? And I think this is where it gets tricky, and I think it's something that um, we are good at, right? So we we um, we have these kind of contacts and we have these kind of relationships. Um, but I think it's also important that the scientists come with this. So, for example, there could be a scientist that has already access to you know facilities, which is a would be a great plus. But um, I think that's something that prevents. Um, like let's say the average person from just starting starting mm -hmm. a, a science-based company. So having like a properly equipped uh, facility would be some sort of like a barrier of entry for others as well. Yes. So you if need, you have yes, it, then... Yes. I mean, you need to be able to do research, right? You need to yep. be able to continue doing the science. Um, and for this, you need... Yes, you need some some um, let's say special equipment, right? So you need something that is not just a desk and <laughs> a MacBook. <laughs> Okay, and uh, maybe looking uh, from the perspective of the uh, of the scientists, I remember before the recording when you told us um, 
that um, you've done like 300 calls with scientists. <laughs> <laughs> that was mind blowing, and I can I can imagine there must have been a lot of learnings out of it. Uh, but like looking from a perspective of mm. a scientist founder, what was what was that they were needed that they that they were looking for? Mm. Yeah, I think sometimes um, when you have a lot of different calls with different scientists, you also realize that. Um, not everyone, of course, wants to start a company, right? Some some scientists, and I think this is perfectly fine, they, are, they want to do a, an academic career. So they want to stay in academia, um, and for them it's perfectly fine, and they want to actually um, progress science or scientific disco discoveries, right? So they're really in it, and I think it's great, right? You, you cannot have everyone being like a founder and so on. So, um, And I think then when you find the ones that, that kind of resonate with what you are saying kind of they they feel like oh wow because sometimes you know i'm doing my pitches right i'm, yep. I'm saying hey we're company builders and we're looking for scientists who who are pioneers in their field and who want to do something with their you know inventions and you know let's let's get it out there and let's do something with it um and i think it also needs to resonate with them mm -hmm. if i tell this to you for example and you feel like actually i just want to do some um you know some basic research and i'm, I'm super happy with it you wouldn't it wouldn't resonate with you, mm -hmm. right? But the the, value. exactly. But the ones that see the value, and they feel like, oh wow, actually, I was looking for this. They are really the ones who. They, they tell you basically, I was looking for something like this, mm -hmm. and tell me more. Like how? What can you do for us? How? How would this work, right? So, and then you have interesting conversations because then you explain how it works with, you know, hey, we can tap into our networks. We can help you with all the financial planning, everything that's needed mm -hmm. to, you know, set up the, the foundation of the company. We help you with recruiting, hiring, uh, getting the right people in place, um, making sure the foundation of your business is strong. Um, we make sure you have the right account and, uh, you know, like the, the, the right lawyers and so on. So I think they just want to have the feeling that, like, everything is in place mm -hmm. and they can just do their magic, right? So... Would it yeah. be fair to make this kind of analogy to, let's say, someone who writes a book about some sort of a topic and they have like a, an idea for the content and maybe <laughs> they, they go, have gone through it, but at the same time, they have no idea how to publish it and, you know, distribute to people? Yes, yes, exactly. I mean, it's a good, yeah, it's a good comparison. It's, it's almost like, yeah, you could call it distribution. Yeah. You could call it promotion as well. Promotion. Yeah. Making yeah. an actual book, yes. printing it and so on. Exactly. Financing also, right? Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I think the lifeblood of a company at some point is you need to have money, right? So cash is like is like the lifeblood in a, in, a, in a sense. So I think um, this is something that needs to be in place. Mm -hmm. So the financial kind of uh, side of things. But then you're also right, like it's promotion, it's distribution, it's making sure there's a setup in place. Um, and yeah, that's basically, that's the job. Got it, that's got the it. Job. Cool. Uh, I would like to dive a, a bit maybe into one of the success stories that you have, and I'm referring to um, Archeon mm. that you're also involved with. Yes. If you could tell us a bit more, what's your role, what the company does, what are the challenges? Yeah, great. Um, Archeon, yeah, we, uh, we went out, I think this was beginning of, no, beginning of last week, uh, officially with our press release. So we raised uh, more than 7 million US dollars uh, for this company, and I think it was... I wouldn't say in record time, but it was quite fast. Um, we we uh, incorporated the company last year in June, um, so it's been yeah six seven months, and you know um, where we basically got everything together. Um, I have to say though, 
it started already strong. Like this was a company that we started with three scientists, um, uh, Gregor, Günther, and, uh, and Simon. Um, and they're all great at exactly what they're doing. Um, I think one of the special things that came together at Archeon is that, or was that all of them, they worked at the same institute, but they worked on different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and through um, that, so there was um, Gregor, there was Günther and Simon. Simon knew uh, Günther, I think also I, I, no, I think Günther, so Günther was the connecting part. Yeah. So Günther was the connecting part between uh, Simon and um, uh, uh, Simon and uh, Gregor, but they didn't know each other, yep. and they're working on different things. So kind of what we said is like, hey, could you actually imagine working on this technology? Because we like you, but we like this technology more, right? So it was a bit of like this kind of a triangle approach. Ah, okay. um, eventually, it, it, it worked out, and um, and um, yeah. So what the company does is. Um, we are using, so it's a microbial fermentation um, type of company. Uh, so we're using uh, microorganisms. In this case, it's Akia. Um, we're using Akia to convert CO2 into, into um, ingredients for food. Um, and um, what's special about this company is that, yes, you might have heard of similar approaches, um, but with Archeon, I think, f- at least for me, what's very special is that um, there are two things that I think is very distinctive in comparison to other kind of fermentation type of companies, which is one, um, we don't need any organic ingredients. So what I mentioned to you earlier is, for example, um, that in fermentation, sometimes you need sugars, right? Mm -hmm. Um, When you need sugars, it also means that you need agricultural land because you need to grow the crops and then you need to get the sugar out of the crops and then you need to use the crops, uh, sorry, the sugars for the, for the fermentation. Um, so you are dependent on agricultural land. Mm-hmm. So you are dependent on agriculture. Um, with Archeon's technology, you don't need this. So you don't need any organic inputs. Um, we are basically, we only need gases and salts and using inorganic gases and salts through this microorganism called Archaea, we turn this into, into organic food ingredients, right? So you're turning something that's inorganic into something that's organic. Um, so that's, that's one thing that I think is, is, is very special. And the other thing is also we don't need oxygen. <laughs> so so if, you, you know, if you spin the thoughts further, you realize, well, you don't need land, you don't need oxygen. So you can create food in space. You can create food on Mars. So I think that's kind of the thing where it gets... Exciting. Um, of course, we're not there yet, but I, you know, if you have a technology and you listen to it and you realize, you know, while you're having this conversation, that something like this is possible, um, that you kind of you can detach food production from Earth and basically have it independently kind of being possible in an like isolated environment. Yes. I, I mean, think uh, w- this with is, this yeah, case, yeah. Uh, the phrase uh, "making something out of thin air" uh, <laughs> <laughs> goes into yes. a very different yes. level. Um, yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so um, Archeon also for me is, is special. I think it it ticks all the boxes. I think it's a company that has, um, yeah, it has so much potential. Um, I, I the team is great. Um, you know, everyone is passionate. Everyone wants to make it happen. Everyone is mission driven. Everyone wants to, you know, really, really see this, um, you know, in in go, going going big. So yeah, maybe just one thing to clarify because you said the company was incorporated in June. You already raised yeah. seven million. 
I assume it's not some sort of like an overnight success because there's been probably like <laughs> a course. 10 year old, a 10 year course, um, course, yes. research before it yes, happened, yes, right? Yes, yes. No, of course, uh, Simon Rittmann, um, yeah. he was working on it for, I think, more than 10 years. Yeah. Uh, so um, he's quite known also in the scientific community. Mm -hmm. um, I think he published a paper once on how to identify planets where there could be kind of life <laughs> on these planets by using IKEA as indicators or something like this. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't know exactly the technical details of it, but um, so he is, is known for his IKEA research. Um, so of course it's not a overnight success. There's a lot of work that was already, you know, in the making. Um, also, I mean, everyone on the team, they, they, they have the expertise already. Um, it's not like a random constellation of scientists who then realize, oh, wow, we can use this microorganism to create food. Um, um, it kind of came together, mm -hmm. um, but it came together organically. So I think that's also important that, you know, things are just, um, they don't feel forced. They feel like they're, they're flowing. And I think okay. that's, that's and a good part. What's your role at the organization? Uh, I'm chief commercial officer, so CCO. Um, and um, since it is a group of mostly scientists at the moment, of we also have business development uh, person uh, on the team now, of course, some, some business uh, functions also. Um, but for me, it's also important that it gets this kind of commercial perspective in mm -hmm. um, so that um, we are kind of um, making sure that what we're doing with our research is kind of catered towards the industry needs. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for example, like sometimes it sounds very abstract when I say ingredients and so on, but maybe as an example, so for um, Archeon, for example, we have, we can produce um, proteins, we can produce amino acids, peptides, functional peptides, um, and they can be used in different food products. So for example, if a company now uses, let's say, pea protein for their products, and you can see it sometimes on the, you know, on the packaging mm -hmm. that says like, I don't know, 20%, I don't know, pea protein content, um, usually what happens is that when you have these protein ingredients, um, they sometimes come with off flavors. So you have this kind of, yeah, something that tastes, I wouldn't say that's so great, right? So you need to cover it. Mm -hmm. Maybe you need to uh, use some additives, some, um, yeah, maybe some artificial flavorings and so on. And what is possible now with Archeon is that you can use our ingredients as drop-in in ingredients to replace, for example, pea protein. Right, and then the advantage is that it doesn't come with off flavors or anything like that. So instead of just replacing the pea protein, you're also replacing all these other additives, mm -hmm. right, that are part of the product right now. So for all these food companies, they don't need to kind of compensate, um, which eventually leads also to kind of clean label. Because in itself, it's it's tasteless, or it's, it um, has a nice taste, or I'm this not is sure something. If I got it. No, this is something that we still need to figure out because yeah. this is something that will be probably catered towards the company's needs. Mm -hmm. So if they want to have something that, is taste, that tastes more like chicken or something that tastes more like beef, yes, we have to adjust it. Um, and that's actually also the... Ah, but you would be the yes, one doing exactly, it. Yes, exactly. Not... So Archeon would be the, the company that is then through kind of adjusting the processes, making sure that it kind of fits the requirements of these companies. Okay. But it's all customi customized. So it's not only the value, it's not only in having like, let's say the right mix of um, um, proteins, but uh, also amino acids, but also like a flavor and, and other This is through the peptides, for example, exactly. Mm -hmm. yes. Okay, okay. And is this like the, the biggest challenge for you as, uh, as of now or? The biggest challenge as of now, uh, you mean with Akion in, in general? Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, right now it's really just to Let's, let's scale it up. I mean, it, it works, right? So the, the beauty is I was in Vienna 
two or three weeks ago. And um, we went there. I mean, I know how the labs looked like when we uh, incorporated the company. We had a visit of the lab facilities. And they looked great back then, right? But they were kind of empty. Um, the difference now is that things are working and we are producing. So it's working already on, on this scale. Um, now, what, what needs to be done in order to actually make an impact and also make a bigger change um, is to scale it up. Because okay. it needs to, at some point, of course, you need to go towards industrial scale. Of course, this is um, some, some years um, um, away, but still, like there needs to be a way of producing more mm -hmm. uh, and making sure we can actually provide the industry. Understood, understood. Yeah. I mean, really exciting uh, product, I must say. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I will, we will obviously put all the links uh, under the... Uh, the great. video yeah. just for, for, for you to, to check out. I've seen the website and it looks very nice and explains <laughs> what you. it does very, very easily. So, uh, yeah, I think this is, uh, this is all I wanted to cover today. Thank you so much, Michael, Thank for you. being with me uh, for, and for this interesting conversation. Thank you so much, guys, for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.